This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to talk about gardening. I hope there's some things on your mind because it's a live program. And last week we got preempted. We got bumped by the governor's uh, press uh, uh, conference, which we appreciate. Uh, but it's been two weeks since we had a chance just to talk about gardening. And I, that's what I want to do. I want you to give me a call and let's just talk about it. If you got something you want to try or you run into some problems or somebody told you something you're not quite sure about, I'll put on my horticulture cap. And I'll also put on my so-so gardening cap. I won't try to sell you anything. When I was walking in this morning, I ran into a fella uh, from uh, the next town over when I was a kid. We went to school together, and he was talking about uh, all sorts of odds and ends and things that could happen. And, and you know, he just just every, everything. He just wanted to get out and do some gardening. I'm thinking, you know, if you're not really used to it, you might want to ease into it. And uh, but anyway, he has a weed in his yard. He's got a type of weed called dollar weed. It's a little round, uh, uh, almost perfectly round leaf, and the stem comes up right in the middle of the bottom of it. Spreads like crazy, especially if you got wet air. Folks on the coast, you know what I'm talking about. It's everywhere. Uh, and he wanted to know what he could do to kill it in his grass. And and I, I said, look, I'm thinking if I work someplace, I would sell him all sorts of stuff. But the truth is, weed killers just beat up and roll off of this stuff. And what will take to kill it will kill your grass. So I said, eh, just, you know, take your glasses off. Look at it as a texture thing. It's not that big. It's really not hurting anything. And I uh, turned to find, come to find out he's an exacting type of person and he wasn't satisfied with me telling him the truth. So anyway, if you want to give me a call and talk about stuff, I'll give you my best advice. And if you just got to give it a go, I'll recommend whatever I think will work. So anyway, I've been doing a little gardening myself. So uh, if you want to talk about stuff, I've been out there too. Been really, really wet. Dug some dirt, got too wet to plant. Planted some stuff, got saturated, got a little root rot on some of it. But in between the rains, I've been making progress. Actually planted some tomatoes and peppers and basil and some beans this past week. Ornamental beans, because uh, even if I don't eat them, uh, even if they make a whole bunch of beans, you know, I could buy a can of beans cheaper than what it costs me to grow them. Uh, but it is fun. It's getting me out there, getting a little solar radiation, a little, little vitamin D in my, my system, and uh, making me feel good, keep, get, get the old, keep, keeping the old bones and all uh, working. Anyway, so if you want to give me a call and talk about uh, gardening, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. And we're going to start out right off the bat in Jackson. Hey, Gretchen, thanks for calling. What's up? Hi, Belder. Well, I'm just swimming out in the garden right now. <laughs> it's weird. And- I'm not for sure what to do. Last year, I started getting these big, long, smooth, circular shoots up that I thought were iris, but nothing ever developed. It had like a little burnt pod at the top, and they're around three feet tall. There is a bulb at the bottom. I need to know what that is, and then I need to know what the red celery stalk-looking things that are coming on the roses. What do those mean? Oh, red celery stalks is just kind of twisted-looking, weird growth. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a disease. It's a common disease, and it's a serious one that, that Rosarians are really worried about. Uh, it's, a, it's a virus called Rose Rosette, and once the plant gets it, it's, it, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's a real, uh, but the new growth is all twisted and weird colored and red. That's definitely Rose Rosette. The only recommendation, this is from the Rose Society of America, the American Rose Society, pull the plants up. And oh, my. Because okay, usually if they happens, I just pull those off and they go on blooming. Yeah, yeah, but but if it keeps happening, it's a systemic thing, and okay, uh, and so right. so okay. let's put the when it gets so bad you just can't stand it anymore. There's no spray for it, is what I'm saying. So okay. you know, live with the best you can. If you got a bunch of roses and they're close to each other, it can be mm-hmm. spread from from shrub to shrub by insects or pruning shears. So if you prune uh, a rose that's got it, and you go prune another one, or if bugs jump from one to the other, that's how it spreads. So uh, what the 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 best control that we've got is to instead of having a rose garden have roses in your garden just sort of scattered here and there not all crammed up together and that way if one of them gets it it's not likely to spread okay good but now, now far, this turbular three feet thing yeah w- without seeing a picture of it i can't identify it exactly but it's going to be in the lily family which includes wild onions wild garlics uh you know uh, they, it's a whole bunch of things so um bottom line is uh, is it just a tall skinny uh uh flat thing with little white flowers at the top there's no flowers that's the trouble it never does flower it looks like a uh, pod like a japanese lantern kind of pod but it never develops it just it, it comes out uh like it's dead yeah i you know I, I'm, I'm not the type of person to guess without a good clear picture of it i can't even begin to guess because there's so many such a big family and a lot of them have similar care so i don't know i don't know i would have to see a really good clear picture of it Okay, well, I have a picture. I'll send it to you. Well, let me ask you this. What's your question about it? Well, it's it just bloom. It doesn't bloom. Oh. I mean, I just get these long green uh, reeds. Yeah. I mean, these long green things, stems. But it looks like it could be beautiful. Yeah. But I don't know if it, I'm oh, underfeeding. You know, I don't know what yeah. to do you with know, it. You just want to know what is it, what can you do with it, not right. how to get rid of it. Okay. If you could see me a good, clear, close-up picture, you know, we'll take okay. it from there. Okay, thanks a bunch. Okay, appreciate okay. it, Gretchen. Have a good day. Thank you. Uh-huh. Let's, let's go to uh, to Polkville. Hey, Diana, good morning. Hey, good morning, Felder. Hello. Hey, um, I have a question about uh, magnolia scale. Mm-hmm. Big, the, the, size, the size of the end of your little finger? Um, well, uh, either or smaller. Either. Yeah, 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 yeah. In between there, they're all different sizes. Yeah. I mean, as far as I can tell, that's the closest thing I've been able. I know there's a bunch of different scales. Yeah, you can um, rub them off, and if you mash it, it's kind of reddish, gooey on the inside. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, that is, it's pretty common. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've done my research into like what what they are and their life cycle and everything, and um, how you can try to to you know combat them. And uh, one thing that they were saying is to put, you know, while they're in the crawler stage, you know, that's when you put out the the oils, like neem oil or yeah. whatnot. Yeah. And so if um, so, my question to you is, what time of year here do they come out? 
Well, it, it varies. Uh, I've seen a, a lot of insects that, that are already past their crawler stage. They come out when the, as soon as the bud breaks. Uh, pecans and oaks have got uh, little insects that cause galls on the, on, and, and their crawler stage is already gone. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even, they may have a crawler stage that lasts for, for several weeks or even a couple of months. You know, I, I, just, I don't remember that part of their lifestyle, their life cycle. But um, one thing you can do is you can apply a dormant oil. Uh, if you can yeah, spray your yeah, tree, yeah, about that too. Okay, that? but what? that that, that needs to be done. No, no, no. It's just called dormant oil. There may be some brands, okay. but dormant oil is what it is on on the label. Uh, it has to be sprayed just before the the plants start putting out their new growth. What this does is it puts a coating on the twigs, and it covers the the overwintering adults, and it suffocates them. And uh, their new and, and if it lasts long enough, it'll catch the, the crawlers too. But it's not really practical to treat a magnolia tree like that. Most of the time, the scale is not going to be so serious it kills a tree. Most of the time. I've seen it pretty bad, but most of the time, the trees can take a little bit of problem with it. Well, in this case, it's a, it's a, it's a Japanese magnolia. Oh, okay. Well, is it really big? Um, it's a it's a really old tree. It's over forty years old. Yeah, and so that's why we really want to try to fight as much as we can to save it. Well, it's it's a tough one, you know. Unless you use some really powerful systemic insecticides, which I don't recommend. The the stuff that they're using to treat crepe myrtle scale has been banned in in, in Europe because of its uh, its bad effects. Uh, you know, you could try something like that, but that needs to be put out right away. Uh, the 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 stuff that they're using to treat crepe myrtle bark scale will work on. Magnolia scale also, but it's it, again, it's a liquid. You mix it with water, you pour it around the roots, you know, out from the trunk a little bit, and it basically makes a whole tree toxic to anything that bites it. Right, and and, and that'll um, work. Well, now I'd like to stay away from chemicals as much as I can. Well, not, you know, you know but, other than using a dormant oil, you know, as soon as they get through blooming is when they start putting their new leaves out. So if you can see mm-hmm. when they're about to start blooming, you know, you can spray them right before they bloom, but that's the middle of the winter, or else wait until the new growth comes out and then use what they call a summer oil, which isn't quite as heavy. It's not likely to burn the plant. You need to wait till the leaves come out and kind of toughen up a little bit. So there's a winter dormant oil. There's a summer oil that's a little bit lighter that you can play after the new growth comes out and toughens up. Uh, other than that, it's just li- just living with it. Or rubbing, rubbing, pulling the branch off and put a pair of gloves on and just rub them off as best you can. Mm, okay. Yeah, not, not, not a good solution, but, you know, that, that's what I'm, that's where I'm my bottom line. Right. You do what you have to, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Felder. Okay, Love good. You appreciate it, Diana. Thank you. All righty. Now let's talk to uh, one of my favorite gardens of all time, Cecile Wardlaw. Hey, Cecile, how are you this morning? I'm great, Felder. How are you? Fine. I keep seeing you around the neighborhood. You know, you and I, you know, we just can't stay at home. We got to get out and do stuff. Absolutely. And get out and see all the beautiful gardens. Yep. But you've been at the uh, the old Greenwood Cemetery downtown Jackson. How's it looking? Have the, have the mowing crew gotten done yet? They're not done yet. They're here early this morning, and they're going to come back tomorrow morning to finish everything. They won't be here all day. They've got other things to do. But they're really close, and um, it's just looking fabulous. The roses that you started for us 20 years ago are in full bloom, and 
now that the grass is cut, you can see them. And you, okay. And you can get out and walk up and smell them. Okay. Wait a second. First of all, let me tell some, some folks about you. You know, Cecile, you're a real gardener. You know, hands-on, got a big landscape, got something blooming every week of the year, all sorts of stuff. But when you're not gardening home, you went up to this old cemetery, 1820s cemetery, downtown Jackson, a block north of the state capitol. And because the more crews were coming in, and they're new folks, even though you told them don't hit the the roses, you went out personally and weed eated. You string trimmed around every single one and put mulch so that the mowers wouldn't hit them. That's dedication. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm still uh, mulching. I got but the ro- ro- some of the roses have peaked, but there's a whole lot that haven't that are just coming into bloom. It should be an incredible That's little right. drive. That's right. They're they're going to be beautiful for a while, and of course, most of them will keep blooming intermittently till frost. Oh yeah. But this is this is the big spring bloom when things are just gorgeous. So the next two or three weeks or so, like that, anybody coming to Jackson, be sure to swing through this little cemetery. It's open, you know, all, all day. It's old garden park type cemetery with the nice headstones, but it's got more roses than any other spot in the state of Mississippi. And we keep adding to it. And yeah. we love them, and we thank you for getting us started on this. Nothing to it, Cecile. Well, listen, I appreciate it. I'm going to be out there. I, I actually have a couple of roses in my garden that came from cuttings that I took from roses there at the cemetery, roses I planted there at the cemetery with help from the uh, Old Garden Rose Society and Master Gardeners. So anyway. Uh, well, we got cuttings. We got cuttings in the ground, and next year we will have roses to sell. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Thank you so much, Cecile. Appreciate it. Tell, Thanks, tell Bill I said hey. Oh, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. righty, folks. That's Cecile Wardlaw. She's in the, uh, the Garden Club of Jackson. She's a master gardener. She's w- one of those many dedicated women and, and some men who who take city beautification, city gardening seriously. And uh, she's sort of in charge of the roses at the uh, the Greenwood Cemetery, downtown Jackson, one block north of the state capitol. It's really, really nice. Some of them smell like you would not believe. Anyway, we're going to take a real qu- uh, quick break and come back. I've got a couple of magnolias I want to talk about. But if you've got some things you want to talk about garden-wise, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Folks, we're all in this together. Let's see if we can come up, put our heads together without getting too close to each other and see if we can help each other out. We'll be right back, me and Java and Kevin and the other folks here at MPB, right after this. All righty, folks, welcome back. We've got the lines open. You want to give me a call? It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Glad to talk about gardening. I've been gardening myself. Going to do some more gardening. Going to go pick out a, a nice new rock for my yard. I, I, I need one that's about the size of a basketball, uh, put in a strategic place between a couple of beds. And so, you know, that's what I've been doing. And we'd love to talk about it with you and lawn care and, and, and that kind of stuff. Uh do want to play a, a tune. Our friend Gus Mohammed. Gus is, is a, a nurse. He lives. He and his wife are nurses. He lives up in Belzona, and uh, he has been recording stuff for a long time. I've known Gus for for quite some time. Uh, but anyway, he did a little special thing to honor John Prine, well, one of our favorite uh, uh, musicians who passed away a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and we were going to play it last week, but we got preempted by the by by Governor Reeves. Well, it just so happens that Gus's tune. 
is uh, it involves Governor Reeves. So this is the sort of a John Prime. It, it's not a uh, uh, what's that? You may see me tonight with a gardening smile. <laughs> it don't hurt very much, and it lasts a long while. Anyway, Gus Mojave doing a little special Deerfelder thing uh, about our situation right now. We're gonna listen to that and come right back with your phone calls right after this. Take one, two, three. Dear Felder, dear Felder, I've listened to Reeves. I'm staying at home and I've rolled up my sleeves. I've washed my hands so much that they hurt. So I'm wearing my gloves while I dig in the dirt. Sign real tender. Real tender, real tender, I'm glad you obey. Shelter at home and stay six feet away. Now Reeves, I promise, is not being mean. He's trying to protect us from COVID-19. Sign, dear Felder. Dear Felder, dear Felder, I'm sequestered at home. I've gotten so bored that I've named my yard gnomes. Redone my flowers not one time but twice But it's rained so much that I may plant some rice Sign real muddy Real muddy, real muddy, I hear what you say Boredom, my friend, is the word of the day Now naming your gnomes is not a real gaffe my gnome Stony and Marcus heard this and just laughed. Sign, dear Felder. Well, that's Gus Mohammed. He's the Delta Prime, is what I call him. We appreciate that. And we got another tune coming up in a little while that'll that'll put a little it'll surprise some people. Didn't know that there's words to this song. We're going to play in a little bit, uh, but we're here to talk about gardening. So let's uh, go to, over to Flowood. Hey Jesse, thank you for holding, man. What's up? Um, not much. How are you doing today? So f- not so bad. That's good. Um, I got a little uh, hot pepper plant that I've been growing for about. A month and a half now, and it's coming. It's growing pretty nicely. Got a nice canopy going. But my question is, um, on average, uh, uh, from seed to germination and producing, how long does it usually take for a hot pepper plant to start uh, actually producing fruit on it? Oh man, that's that's a good question. Is this from seed you saved, or did you buy it in like in a package? Uh, I actually bought it. Uh, it had already been growing up yeah. at, as a plant and was about two yeah. and a half, three inches tall when I got it. It's almost yeah. uh, six and a half inches tall right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, here, here's a problem. You know, seed packets say, you know, this takes, you know, 55 to 70 days or 70 to 80 days, whatever, depending on the variety. But some peppers, some really hot peppers like the habanero, not habanero, the, uh, you know, the the, the the stings and all those really, really hot peppers, they don't really start producing until fall. See, uh, some okay. of the other ones, like, you know, I've got a little chili pekin, a little bird's eye pepper. 
about the size of a of a garden pea, and they will light you up. Well, mine already have have uh, peppers on them. See, so it really it just depends on a lot of stuff. Main thing is don't push it with a lot of fertilizer because uh, even though they need fertilizer to grow, a little extra nitrogen will cause them to throw their flowers or the small peppers off. So keep them lean and mean, plenty of sunshine and not too much water. And uh, and it you know it may have been six weeks old when you got it. You okay. know, so all it, of, uh, so the only uh, soil that I've used right now is just basic uh, potting soil that I got from the uh, garden center. And yeah. I uh, haven't put anything else in oh, it right oh, oh, now. Oh, they, they need fertilizer. They need fertilizer. Okay. You know, and any kind of uh, a potted plant type fertilizer where the numbers are about the same, maybe a higher middle number, but don't go crazy with it, but about the same or higher middle number, whatever the directions call for, that's the maximum. You know, the fertilizer companies, they're in business sell fertilizer. They're going to say, here's, here's what to use. What they mean is here's how to use it up real quick. In other words, the directions are as strong as you need to go. And, okay. it, and it's not going to seem like enough. Okay. No so, problem uh, at all. You know what, do they have flowers at all yet? Uh, they're just about to where I can start to see a couple of pods okay. on the top starting to grow out. Okay. Very, very small, though. Yeah, yeah. Main thing, a little bit of fertilizer. All right. I will look into that and start getting some ready. Good I appreciate l- it. Good bro. luck on it, Jesse. Appreciate that. Okay. I sort of hedged my best on that because I don't know. You know, I've got peppers already with peppers on them. I have one that comes back every year, even after hard winters, little chili pekin. I have some that don't make hot, hot peppers until September, October. So it just depends on the variety. Anyway, let's go over to Meridian. Good morning, Aaron. How are you, sir? Morning, Felder. How you doing, man? Pretty good. What's up? Well, I called a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm the worm grunter guy. Oh, and, uh, I, I did it. <laughs> I, did you really? I, you said you're going to send me a picture of your, of your boy. I tried to send a video, and I kept getting a – it wouldn't go through. I don't know what the deal with the email was. It kept getting a non-response something. I've had that before. I tried to send you an email. But uh, I'll send – we went out last night uh, after that heavy rain day before yesterday, and uh, we caught – Oh man, we we grunt, we grunted up probably thirty in about five minutes. So it, we're loving it, man. Okay, for folks, I, I I went home. I made me a little stick. I cut me some notches in it. I've got a raised bed. It's almost like like shooting fish in a barrel because I got a little small raised bed. It's got worms that are like ten inches long. I mean, just, and so I went out there and I stuck this in there. And took the stick and I rubbed it on the I, you know, I had a stick with notches in it and I put it in the ground took another stitch and rolled and just make it grunt grunt and the big one they just came right out of the ground yeah it's crazy. it looks like something off of a movie you can just keep growing out of the ground they're okay. everywhere T- tell folks remind folks about what you and your boy did because gr- okay. worm grunting by the way in England they call it worm charming worm charming okay yeah but well, it sounds like well, grunts what we did, um, we saw a video of a guy in Florida, and he takes a, a, a large stake. It's probably like a two-by-two stake and drives it. He probably drives about a foot in the ground. Um, and then he takes a, a flat iron with notches cut in it, and he rubs it back and forth, and it, it vibrates the ground, and it sends those vibrations through the ground with the worms. They, I guess it simulates what a mole would do is just digging through the ground, and the worms try to get away from it, and their only way to get away from the mold was to come to the surface. And, and we tried it. What we did, we took a about a one-inch dowel rod that I got from the hardware store. Uh, I put it on my I'm a knife maker, and I put it on my knife uh, grinder, and uh, I ground little little notches all the way down. 
And we put that in the ground, and then I just took another smaller dowel rod and used it as the, I don't know what you call it, the bow, kind of like a, a, a violin, the bow. And I just rubbed down, and it just, and, and they come out. It was weird because I didn't expect it to work. And then we did it, and I was like, oh, they're everywhere. So it, it, it worked really well. Well, I, I, I went home that evening, and uh, well, I, after I got out of the radio program, I, I watered this little bed because it's a raised bed. It's not, right. you know, it's, it's not much bigger than a coffee table, and it's loaded with worms. I watered it real good. I went out that evening, and I mean, I only got four or five in the picture, but it was just, it was creepy. It, it is. It, what's really weird is when you, you know, because when we do it, we just see the worms. They've already come out of the ground most of the time. They're just kind of crawling, you know, away from the away yeah. from the grunter. But every now and then you get three or four that are coming up out of the ground at the same time. And you don't, and it's, it's like a plant growing on time lapse. I mean, yeah. they're, just, they're just coming straight up out of the ground. And it's, it's pretty creepy the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, man, it was, it was neat, though. But we went out last night. It was actually, oh, it was probably... It was ten o'clock last night, and he was already in the bed. And I went in there and said, "You want to go grunt for some worms?" Said, yeah. <laughs> so we threw on the clothes real quick and went out there for about ten, fifteen minutes, and we caught more than we could count. It was it was a blast. Well, I'm sure that there's probably some people who think that's the cruel, mean thing to do to worms, but uh, what a great way to raise your boy. Oh yeah, it was, it was a blast. So well, I've listen, got two rapid fire gardening questions for you, real quick. Okay. All right. Number one, uh, our garden. I, I've said before it, it's really really clay heavy um we planted a lot of beans and peas very few uh are, are doing anything uh i don't know if it's because it's so clay heavy or uh, we didn't mound them up high enough and then the soil is kind of cooled down at, you know at night but yeah. we're getting very few that are coming up and we planted these uh the week before easter yeah so is that I've heard snap beans do better in clay heavy soil is that Well no, no no beans I mean beans are highly subject to root rot if they stay wet cool and okay. wet and uh, and okay. in clay soils as much rain as we've had I mean right. I got I got 4 inches one day I got 2 and a half inches one day I've got you know that's t- and the ground stays wet and those roots get stunted sometimes actually rot so usually when you don't have a really good stand coming up it's because of cold wet soils in the okay. spring time it's okay to start again we can plant beans up until august the 7th in meridian and still get beans now in the middle of the summer they tend to drop their flower drop their beans when it gets hot but you can plant those things you got plenty of time to to replant any skips in your row okay great then all right all right uh number two b hotels um a friend of mine from union uh, actually burrows he he made some bee hotels several years ago uh, yeah. when he was kind of just getting into garden. He's been doing it for a while now. But he would make bee hotels. And yeah. I, we were drilling holes in wood one day at West Lauderdale Middle School, and I asked him what in the world he was doing, and he said he was making bee hotels to get pollinators to come close to his garden. That's true. Did, all right, so is that could be a next project for me. Is that, That's a thing? That's real? Yeah. Here, here's, okay. here's the thing. You know, honeybees are not native to here. Right. And they're hive bees. Right. Uh, you know, you know these great big carpenter bees that drill a hole in the bottom of your, uh, uh, you know, of your arbor and stuff. Like, look like sure. bumblebees. Yeah, we catch the ones with the white dots. Yeah, well, the, and, and, and somebody said they won't sting. Yeah, they will. Just okay. don't. But they're just not aggressive because they're solitary. Like regular bumblebees live in communal nests. Well, these right. are solitary. Well, we have. Uh, a whole bunch of others that are like that, but they're real small. Sometimes we call them sweat bees. 
Okay, I know what L- you're talking about. Little bitty things, and uh, and they actually drill holes in wood, and they they put it little insect, little pollen in there, lay an egg, and then seal it off with mud. And next spring, those hatch out. You know, okay. just just like the they're miniatures of those great big ones. Which right uh, here here's the deal: you could uh, they could pollinate up to twenty times more than honeybees, and they're wow. native. But the problem is they only come out in the spring and early summer, and then they, they're they gone. See, so if you right. have late-blooming things, you know, for late summer, fall, we've got to have honeybees or, okay. or, or bumblebees. So anyway, here's the deal. It's the size of the hole that makes a difference. I think it's seven-sixteenths of an inch, but how, how old is your boy? Uh, he's eight years old. Okay. Get him to research this. But okay. all, it, what I did a couple of years ago when I was giving a lot of talks about this, because I talk about pollinators, uh, I mm-hmm. give presentations on that. And I had a little piece of old cypress that I drilled a bunch of holes in it, and I took the bit with me to show people how you know, how big and all. Anyway, I set it aside. I'm, uh, I've got an, uh, an open-air potting bench. I set it out there. Well, the other day, I came across it, and it's just loaded with these things. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I, they were just sitting on a – the thing would just sit on uh, my, my potting bench in a little window thing. And I notice it's just full of these little things because they found it in in my garden. But yeah, right. you you can make those. Uh, okay. You you can actually order the bees. Uh, you can or- get one this little tube from them that's already full of them, and then put them out in your garden. And then they in turn will start more nests. Really? Okay, I had no idea. Where would you go to order? That. I mean, uh, there's there's several websites. You know, it comes okay. in like a little canister. You just pop the top in. It's like full of little straws. You know, and right. it got and it got already already got the little bee larvae in it. Don't know oh, if wow. it, you know. Don't know if it's too late this year or not. But anyway, it works. It works and it's okay. cool. But uh, the size of the the bit makes all the difference in the world. Okay, does all right. Well, man, I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear your worm grunt. That's awesome. <laughs> I felt so stupid when it happened oh, yeah. because I yeah. thought, <laughs> appreciate it, man. Hey, go it's hug your idea. hug your boy while you still can. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. All right, thanks. Java talking about worm grunt. I sent you that picture, didn't I? You did. You sent me that picture, and it wasn't staged. You had your little uh, the notches on the stick, and I can I can only imagine you down there, you know, chucking I, away. And- I felt real stu- I felt real stupid, and when they started coming up, I'm thinking, you know, this is something I should have done as a kid instead of fishing for doodle bugs with a, with a piece of straw. But anyway, we've got some lines open. You want to uh, play another tune while we get some calls coming up? Yeah, I previewed this tune, and I see what you said. You didn't know that this song no, had no, words to it. Nobody knows they had a song. Folks, we're going to play a little quick tune, a little, little happy thing, and we got the lines wide open. You want to give us a call here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Kevin Farrell's in there playing on his phone. He's waiting for you to give him a, a call so that so he can, can, can load us up. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, right after this. Well, now take down your fishing pole and meet me at the fishing hole. We may not get a bite all day, but don't you rush away. What a great place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You'll feel fresh as a lemonade setting in the shade. Weather is hot, weather it's cool. Oh, what a spot for whistling like a fool What a fine day to take a stroll And wander by the fishing hole I can't think of a better way To pass the time of day 
have no need to call the road When we get to the vision hole There'll be you, me, and old dog Trey To do the time away If we don't hook a perch or bass We'll cool our toes in dewy grass Or else pull up a weed to chaw And maybe set and jaw Hanging around Taking our ease Watching that hound Us scratching at his fleet Come on, take down your fishing pole And meet me at the fishing hole I can't think of a better way To pass the time of day Okay, old folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Ruskin. How many of y'all knew there were words to the to the Andy Griffith song? <laughs> this, arr, it made me snort. Give us a call, folks. Wide open, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We're gonna slide down to Fairhope, Alabama, Eastern LA. What's up, Sir Bob? Hi there. Howdy. Uh, What's? I, I understand that you uh, had chili pekins that wintered over. Yeah, several had, several years. Now I had uh, a. Um, a uh, habanero, and also a ghost pepper that lasted two years. Uh-huh. They kept their foliage right through the, the winter, and then in the spring, they died. Huh. Are they, are they, uh, it wasn't a frost issue, and I didn't find any nematodes on the roots. Yeah. Any ideas what caused them to it die? could be. Were, you, did, you didn't prune them back or anything, did you? I didn't what? Did you prune them back? Uh, only the dead... The stuff that was dead on yeah. top. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Uh, peppers are perennial. You can have a pepper for 9 or 10 years if you can keep it from freezing to death or from root rot. And, uh, of course, along the Gulf Coast, it's easier than, say, up in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, some peppers come back quite readily, but they usually they die down. The top parts get frozen, and they sprout back out from down close to the ground. So I would suspect that yours got some winter damage, maybe some root damage, uh, not enough to kill them, but enough to weaken them. And in the spring, when they put out new growth, it was more than they could stand. So if you're going to try this again, cut them back in the wintertime, put some mulch around it, and let them come back from the lower stem. And it helped, okay. help them start out that way. It's just probably uh, they got enough damage to where it wasn't enough to kill them, but it weakened them, and new growth in the spring and heavy rains just overwhelmed them. Okay. One and, other quick question. Yeah. Have you got a, um, a hot-weather tomato variety? I understand they're being uh, groomed now or developed now. There's a bunch of them out there, and I can't remember the names. I want to say one's called Heat Wave or something like that, but you know, they've got names like that, if, and I just don't remember all the names. In general, they produce fast, uh, which is good, because what happens when it hits 95 or higher and stays that way, uh, tomato and pepper flowers and beans tend to just fall. They don't, get, they don't grow right. They fall off, or even the small the small peppers and tomatoes and, and beans. Uh, so I think that these are just real fast producers. Uh, but anyway, uh, the best I could do is just Google it. Uh, Heat-loving uh, or, or uh, tomatoes. Okay. And I, I sure. could, or if you want to shoot me an email, I, I probably need to refresh that myself. Shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll learn from both of us. I'll, I'll be, be happy to. Great. Hey, thanks a lot. Be safe. Okay. Hey, let me throw out one other thing, Bob. If you can get pepper tomato plants 
in July. A lot of times garden centers don't kill it. But you set out small plants in July or first part of August, they grow sturdy and stocky in the hot weather, and they produce like crazy in the fall when it gets cooler, days are shorter. So instead of trying to keep the same plants alive all summer long, think about planting two or three times up until early August, and you'll have an incredible harvest without having oh, to worry, worry with diseases and insects and all that. That's a great idea. Thanks. I can start raising them uh, in a couple of months because I've got a hydroponic setup. So yeah, so, start. yeah, and like I say, th- those those set out in in uh, late July and early August. They'll, I mean, they're just like solid fruits when they start fruiting up in the in the shorter, cooler days of fall. Wow, that's terrific. Hey, thanks for the tip. Okay, good luck on it, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, let's slide way up to northwest, northeast Mississippi to Corinth. Hey, Mike, good morning, sir. Good morning. I just had a comment. Uh, you were talking earlier about solitary bees. Yeah. Uh, I think one type is called a mason bee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can't order the houses and the bees. Uh, I've tried myself. I bored some holes and a couple of pieces of wood. Uh, this spring, I think they're spring pollinators. And yeah, spring and early summer. They might pollinate blueberries. I'm not sure. They, they do. They do. Uh, matter of uh, fact, we have some bees that have special beaks that make them perfectly adapted for, for the, the wild blueberries and, and other blueberries. Okay. So far, I haven't seen any, but I did go ahead and drill the hole, so I'm hoping I just check them every now and then to see if I see any. Yeah, the the holes this year, what happens is the bees that are out there, you know, they'll find those holes and they lay eggs for next year. Okay. And then and then the, the, the late winter, early spring, the larvae burrow out and then they do their pollination and they'll use the same holes over. But you'll tell it works because a hole will be covered up with a little dab of mud. That means that something's laid an egg for next year. I'm and sure. you can you can actually take those things down in the in the the middle of summer, late summer, and set them on a shelf, and then bring them back out the next winter because they they don't do anything, in a, in the fall and the winter time. Okay, yeah, you know you could just hang them out in the spring. And a lot of fruit growers, a lot of you know these things are more efficient at apples and blueberries than even honeybees. So a lot of times, the fruit growers will keep them uh, like a whole shelf of them, then they just set them out in the late winter. Okay. Well, I enjoy your program. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for calling about that. Thank you. Okay, folks, got some lines open. You want to give them a call? Wide open. Toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring What's up, Java? I was going to say, did you mention about what you brought in this morning? No. Because I, I, I thought it was something else, but it's you, not. <laughs> you thought I brought in an elephant ear. Uh, I brought three magnolia, native magnolia trees that are all blooming right now, and one of them is just astounding. They got this little one that, that grows all over the south called uh, Magnolia virginiana. Uh, sweet bay magnolia flowers what would you say that's about three inches across little bitty flowers kind of a, a, a pale pale yellow it's not pure white but anyway it's a pretty little thing little magnolia the leaves are maybe oh four inches or so long it's a nice tree it has pretty little flowers the most common one that we see in people's landscapes is called magnolia grandiflora 
the southern magnolia. Big old thick leaves, green, glossy green on the top, furry brown on the bottom, flowers uh, uh, eight or nine, sometimes ten inches long. And it's called Magnolia Grandiflora, which means grand flower. My my grandmother had one of those in her front yard. It's a terrific plant. This is what I wish we'd have on our state. If we ever get a new state flag, I want this thing to be on it because we're the Magnolia State. But this is a leaf. What's that, about almost three feet long? Yeah, that's a big one. And about a foot wide. This is, and the flower is bigger than the than, than the uh, the, the southern magnolia. It, but I can't get them because they're high. This is called magnolia macrophylla, big leaf. Big leaf, and is that appropriate name? Big leaf magnolia. They're 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 airy. They're you know they're almost tissuey. As a matter of fact, they're uh, they're hard to grow in a lot of landscapes because they grow best in the in the, the uh, lightly wooded areas, or the wind beats them up. But this is a huge leaf. Uh, it's almost three feet long and a foot wide. Magnolia macrophylla, or big leaf magnolia. They're blooming right now. You can see them, especially up in the hills, uh, all along the edge. They look like giant chefleras if you're a potted plant person. Anyway, drop the leaves in the winter, but right now they've got huge leaves and great big flowers. Magnolia macrophylla, Magnolia grandiflora, and Magnolia virginiana. All of those are native to the south, native to Mississippi. We have fossil records. They have petrified wood of these things. Uh, great native plants. Uh, worthy landscape. If your yard's not big enough for one, go with the one called Little Jim. It's a sort of a dwarf southern magnolia. Flowers are not much bigger than your hand, and it uh, blooms a long time, doesn't have big leaf drop all over the place. Little Jim magnolia. Everybody in the magnolia station have a magnolia. We're going to take a break and come back with more right after this. Okay, Job, I just took a picture of these three things here at the studio. Can we post it on our podcast? You got it. All righty. All righty. Let's have some fun. Uh, speaking of fun, let's talk uh, to John in Madison. What's up, John? How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have a group at church that <clears throat> likes to garden and talk gardening and stuff. And so we set up a, a Zoom garden party. <laughs> and, uh <laughs> We walked around with our phones and showed people what was blooming in our yards. And Way cool. Way cool. What was coming up. It was a lot of fun. But I, one of the things I showed them was my snowball. I think it's called the snowball verbenia. No, viburnum. 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 Yeah. Viburnum. And uh, it was real pretty and everything. Everybody said, oh, that's nice. And then it was somebody else's turn. And they showed me theirs. <laughs> Mine's about three feet tall. Theirs was about eight feet tall. And I remembered I had planted that thing because I thought it was going to get to be six or eight feet tall. Or bigger. They get a whole lot bigger than they can. They can get 15, 20 feet tall eventually. Well, what am I doing wrong? It's probably, I probably had it in the ground three or four years and it's still not yeah. waist high. When, when, a, when a plant gets stunted, usually it's because it's had root problems. The hole was too tight. You know, the roots are sort of stuck in a little small area or it's in an area that stays wet part of the year and that stunts roots and so it keeps it from growing the rest of the year. Um, so what I would do is I would go out from the, from the, from the trunk, oh, Two, two or three feet or something like that, and take your shovel, not like you're going to dig it up, but turn it sideways, perpendicular like the spokes on a wheel, and just make, you know, just make 
uh, sort of sort of like you're you're making spokes on a wheel out from the hole and just sort of loosen the dirt up out from it a little bit. Throw some mulch around there, and that'll help the new roots. Uh, the the roots are out there get better air, better drainage, and uh, and the better it grows roots, the better the top's going to grow. But sounds like it just got stunted uh, from okay. from from roots. Well, I planted uh, some cannas behind it. My idea was to let it grow tall yeah. and bloom, and then when the, when it faded, that the cannas would come in. Should right. I move? The, should I move the cannas? No, no, that's, that shouldn't be. A, that shouldn't it? Shouldn't be that big a deal. Uh, but it, almost always, when a plant stunted like that, it's because it's having a tough time with the roots. And uh, again, there's not much else you can do that except you know, dig it up, replant it, or else just try to fracture the 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 the, the dirt radiating out from the original hole, help it grow roots outward. That's about all you can do. Uh, and by the way, there are a lot of different kind of viburnums that, you know, some some of the big snowballs uh, can get really, really big, but there's other viburnums that have snowball-type flowers that aren't quite as big. So, you know, I, I don't know which one you might have, but did you make it a cutting off of a of another one, or you buy it uh, or what? I bought it at a local nursery up in uh, outside in Bartlett, outside of Memphis, and I and I remembered after I saw uh, the guy on the Zooms that I had bought it because I thought it was going to be six or eight feet tall. So yeah. he must have told me that or I read it on the label or something. Well, like I say, there, there's there's a lot of different – viburums are seriously overlooked as landscape plants uh, You know, in central Mississippi. Garden centers just don't care them because they don't look like much in a pot. Uh, yeah. But there, there's some that have really stunning flowers that only get four or five feet tall. But there's some. There's one in my neighborhood that's uh, taller than the house it's planted by. So, and there are different varieties. Well, when the soil dries out, I'll give that. Uh, I'll give that a shot with the shovel. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Good luck on it, man. Let's know how it works. All right. Thanks. Okay. Let's slide back down to Fairhope again. Hey, Frank. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. What's up? I have crimson clover questions. Mm-hmm. I am saving the crimson clover seed, but I don't know what it looks like. There's their fluff, and then there's seed, and I can't tell the difference. Uh, and you know, and as as familiar as I am with it, I've never really dissected a fly. I mean, I know what you're saying, but uh, a lot of times the the, seed, the seeds are small. They're 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 not tight. They're not. You know, you can see them easily, but a lot of times they color up in the flush. What I would do is I would take the flowers, put them, you know, let them dry out completely, and then run them through a colander or a sieve of some kind, just rub it up. And a lot of the fluff will come through, but the fluff that comes through there will have the seeds mixed in with it. And see, crimson okay. clover, it'll reseed itself along the highway, you know, even if you don't do anything. But uh, a lot of times that little fluff, the chafe or whatever it's called, chaff, chaff, chafe, chaff, yeah, the seeds are caught up in that, and it naturally breaks down, uh, you know, out in the environment. Now, should I – actually, i got three questions. Should I do like nature and plant it now or wait until some other time of the year? Well, uh, crimson clover is not going to sprout until fall, no matter what you do. And uh, right. and if it gets caught up in a bunch of grass, the seed's not caught – if it's not in contact with the dirt or if it gets covered up with other plants, it might not sprout as well. So if you're going to store it, what I would do, again, let them dry out pretty good, rough them up, and then keep them in a paper bag. You know, uh, something that doesn't, you know, not plastic, and yeah, uh, sometimes right now. Yeah, and uh, and just when they get really dry, just rough them up a little bit, put them in a paper bag or a cardboard box or something, and throw them out sometime in the late summer. Okay, super. Got time for a last question? Sure. It's 
It's good for the soil, supposedly, because it stores nitrogen, right? Yeah, it actually converts nitrogen from the air on nodules on the roots. Well, is there a mechanism where that really does any good for the soil, or does it just do good for the clover plant? No, it helps for the soil. What happens is is it converts nitrogen into these little nodules on the roots, and then as those roots decompose and break down, it releases the nitrogen. Also, the tops of them, you know, crimson clover's got a lot of lot of uh, nitrogen stuff in the tops, uh, and if you were to mow it down, those leaves as they break down, they release they they recycle nitrogen. But the nodules don't the the the, the fertilizer in the the roots doesn't really work until the roots die and start to decompose and release the nitrogen. So it helps okay. next year. Gotcha. All righty, man. Good luck on it. All righty. Now we got time for another call. Let's slide over to, to Benton. Hey, Billy, good morning, sir. How are you doing? So far, so good. That's a guarded question. I'll leave you alone. Uh, do sweet potatoes produce nitrogen like clover does? Uh, I don't remember the exact mechanism, but the general answer is yes, but it's not like clover. I can't remember. This is a physiology thing, and I've forgotten what it is. But in general, they don't need as much nitrogen, uh, but I, I don't know that they absorb it from the air. Like, I, I don't remember the mechanism. But in general, okay. they don't like a lot of nitrogen. Okay, that's what I want to know. I, I, I wish I could remember the exact mechanism, and I'll get an email about it. Somebody will remind me of it. But anyway, good good thought-provoking thing to end the program on. Thanks, Billy. Yes, sir. Bye. <laughs> oh, it's one of those kind of things where there are people who listen to this program who are real hardcore scientists. Java, they know more than I do about a lot of stuff. I'm a generalist. Well, you know, some people, and not these people, unless you are that person, they they listen to find the inaccuracies oh yeah yeah oh there's plenty of them you know I, and they, I, where they're ready to point them out i paint with a very broad stroke a very, very broad stroke there's some things that i say that as a gardener that the horticulturist in me cringes but i'm thinking what would mama do mama wouldn't care about the horticulture so a lot of the stuff i do it's cutting corners it's not dumbing down uh, sometimes it's just interpreting stuff but anyway i will find out the difference in nitrogen from sweet potatoes and nitrogen in legumes before next week because I've forgotten, just forgotten. Anyway, folks, we're going to have a podcast up uh, pretty soon. I've got a picture of Magnolia grandiflora flower and a picture of the little smaller Magnolia, uh, Sweet Bay Magnolia, both sitting on the leaf of Magnolia macrophylla. It's going to be on our podcast at MPB. I'm horticulturist fellow rushing Java Chapman. And uh, Kevin Farrell, other folks here at MPB, we appreciate coming in, being essential service, having to get dressed and actually get up and go do something, and appreciate it a whole bunch. If you got questions during the week, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, if you've got some kids around there, neighborhood kids, help them get a pot full of stuff going, some culinary herbs, maybe a little flour or something like that. Take them to a garden center. It's safe. It's okay. Teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Oh, by the way, shoot me an email. I've got a list of garden projects for kids. I'll email it to you, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll be back same time, same place here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Folks, I'm about to go get dirty. 